welcome into the 213th episode of the Young Terps podcast um, from the, the on the road Viner Forgate studio using uh, the Viner Forgate Zoom account today. Uh, we're talking about the Terps 38-33 win over Indiana. And of course, let's kick it off with the non-rev report because what else we would do? Joining me is Todd Carton. Todd, uh, coming down to the end of the fall season for some of the teams and uh, well, we start with women's soccer and it was a ugly pair of games this last week. Well, one game in particular, the game in Columbus at Ohio State, I just didn't recognize that team at all, Mason. I mean, they've been a scrappy team. They've lost a lot of games, but they've been really scrappy. Ohio State came out. They scored three goals I, and within the first, I think, five minutes of that game. And Maryland wound up losing seven to nothing. That was just really, really awful. But then they came home and they played Minnesota Sunday. Yeah, and, and they dropped that one two to one. And that was the final home game of the year. The Terps uh, won game this week at Indiana on Thursday, or two games at Indiana on Thursday. And, and uh, they take on the Purdue Boilermakers on, on Sunday, uh, both games right. on BTN Plus. And the Terps uh, probably not going to make or won't make the Big Ten tournament, Todd. No, I, I think when I looked at the schedule, it looked like they were kind of mathematically eliminated because I thought the eighth place team had 10 points. Maryland only has three. So even if they win the two, the best they can do is nine. So uh, I don't see them being able to do it. But they, were, they at least put forth a good fight against Minnesota Sunday. It was a two-to-one game. Uh, I'd have to go back. I would haven't had a chance to look at the replay. I thought Minnesota scored off of set play very, very late seconds left in the first half off of a foul that was really, really questionable. But, you know, Maryland's got to defend that and, and came down to a loss. That's what happens. Uh, on the men's side of the pitch, uh, after a rather disappointing tie against Northwestern, uh, the Terps faced Wisconsin at home. That game was on ESPNU this past Friday. It started at five o'clock. And um, disappointment's a good way to put it. I see it in your notes, Todd. And Terps, a ton of chances there at the end, but it ends in a 2-2 tie as well. Yeah, it was one of those games, Mason, where, you know, Wisconsin scored first, Maryland tied it up. Wisconsin took a lead, Maryland tied it again. And Wisconsin came in with only one win in conference play at that point. It was clear to me sitting at the game that certainly for the last 15 and maybe even 20 minutes, Wisconsin was playing for the tie. And under the new no overtime rules that they used that to their advantage. I mean, they were just kicking the ball out of bounds whenever they could any time, pretty much any time Maryland had any buildup of an attack onto the offensive third Wisconsin would get a defender out and just kick the ball out of bounds they weren't trying to counter at all they they wanted to escape with a tie because a tie for them was like a win to come into the number eight team in the country and get a tie and for Maryland it's like a loss because you have back-to-back games where you think you're going to get at least you should get three points out of each but in a worst case scenario get four out of the two and to only come away with two points you know not so great no it's not and Maryland's still in first uh, undefeated in conference, a couple of bad ties. Uh, they take on High Point Monday night, which I'm sure for most of you that are listening to this, that game's already happened by now. Then they host Michigan State Friday night at 7. Uh, Todd, Friday night 7 at Ludwig, got to love it. Yeah, got to love that. It'll be, I think, much better than Friday night at 5, what we had for, for ESPNU. That was an okay turnout, but I think Friday night at 7, and it's a conference game, 
And it's a very big game because Michigan State is in that sort of middle of the pack area where they can certainly are in a position where if they can come out with a win against Maryland, they're going to challenge for the title. And if Maryland comes out with a win, then it'll solidify Maryland's place on top of the conference. Yeah, both of those games can be streamed on BTN Plus. I feel like BTN Plus had a sponsor us at this point, Todd. We like <laughs> say BTN Plus like more than we say Viner Fourgates. Well, show. you you may be right, Mason, but you know, I mean, look for for eighty nine or ninety bucks a year or something. I mean, it's a great value if you like to watch Maryland athletics. That it is. Can't argue with that one. Uh, on to volleyball. Big weekend, uh, Todd, for one of your favorite teams on campus. They get their first Big Ten win on the road last Sunday. They went back on the road this past weekend at Northwestern, uh, a team that's been a little bit better than expected. They get the sweep and then a sweep of number nine, Purdue. Todd, um, volleyball back on track. Yeah, it it looks certainly looks that way. I will tell you, Mason, I, I didn't see the game because it was – uh, Sunday afternoon and there was field hockey on campus. There was a women, the women's soccer game and then field hockey. So I went home and I watched the replay and it was very, very competitive for the first couple of sets. But one of the things that I noticed that was very, very different about Maryland was that they looked like they were having fun. There's a video. If you go to the volleyball Twitter account of Sid Dowler, the, the, Purdue fans, it's a small gym, about 2,500, 3,000 people, and they're very close to the field and they to the floor, and they reach out and they wave their fingers and make noise at the opposing team's server. And at one point, there was a delay late in the first set, and Sid Dowler turned around and just made the same gesture back at them with a big smile on her face. And then Maryland went out and won the last two points of the set. I mean, it was – it really – a different team. And then, of course, today they announced that uh, Anastasia Russ, the transfer middle blocker from Pitt, who uh, is just having a, a really becoming a factor, as I said to some people this morning, and she was named Big Ten Defensive Player of the Week. And Sid Dowler was named Setter of the Week in the Big Ten. Very first time since Maryland has been in the league that they've won Setter of the Week. Yeah, and, and that starts off uh i think uh run of things that are the first time since for the terps of the big 10 first maryland top 10 road win and they've had their fair shot at chances uh since joining the conference in 2014 and they also sweep uh three consecutive big 10 matches for the first is that the first time first time it, i think they did it once before first time since like 2018 maybe or 19 um it's 18. Yep. 18. And uh, they go on and they'll play Penn State uh, Friday at 8 at home and the, a rematch uh, against Northwestern coming Saturday night at 8. Yeah, and so for those people who are uh, going to the football game that starts at 3.30, you know, maybe make your way down across campus and see a very, what could be a really exciting match. You know, a little frustrating for, for me for as a Maryland volleyball fan, because if they've been playing at this level from the beginning of the year, I think Maryland, instead of sitting at three and five, would be probably sitting at no worse than five and three in the conference and really on track to maybe punch a ticket to the to the NCAA tournament. They put themselves under a lot of pressure, you know, but if they can pull off another upset or two, there are a bunch of other winnable games on the schedule. And who knows? Yeah, Todd, is that Penn State team as good as they usually are? No. 
And, and I will tell you very, very honestly, Mason, I watched them play last Saturday night at Iowa. They had just been kind of Penn State had just been blasted in three straight sets by Nebraska. And then Saturday night they played at Iowa. Iowa took them to five sets and both of those teams look terrible. And if Maryland plays at the level they've played for the last actually four or five matches, even though a couple of them were losses, and Penn State doesn't improve considerably. Maryland's going to knock off the Nittany Lions, I, I think. Yeah, and that would be another big win for the Terps program. Uh, rolling on to field hockey. And Todd, this team, it just seems like they're getting better and better as the season rolls on. They beat Georgetown Tuesday 11 to nothing. And um, then they came back and won a tough game against Rutgers. Yeah, that was the, the the Georgetown game was kind of a last minute scheduling change. Missy, I think, didn't want to go 10 days between a game against a very overmatched Indiana team and a very good Rutgers uh, team. And so they she had scheduled originally scheduled to play American and the Georgetown game. It was just like a, a midweek scrimmage against players who aren't your teammates. It was just almost laughable. But Rutgers is a is a good team. And I will tell you, Mason, the last five minutes of that field hockey game yesterday were just kind of off the charts crazy. Maryland scored. They fell behind early. They scored, tied the score in the third quarter. They got uh, they went ahead early in the fourth, four and a half or five minutes, a little less than five minutes to go. They get a, a third goal. And I turned to some folks and I said, OK, I feel better now. Should be game. And the next thing you know, Rutgers scores in less than a minute, and then they scored again another minute and a half after that, and the game is tied. And uh, Maryland gets a great goal at the very end by a Duke transfer, Leah Krause. Yeah, and the Terps. Uh, they and the good points. news, Mason. <laughs> the good news on that is what happens with the win. Yeah, they uh, advanced to seven and zero in the conference, fourteen. And one overall, and Todd, they are guaranteed no worse than a share of the Big Ten title. Uh, they can clinch it outright with a win at number three Penn State Friday or a Penn State loss to the Rutgers team that we just mentioned on Sunday. And, of course, you can watch it on Big Ten Plus. Of course. And and uh, nobody should take that. Penn State shouldn't take that Rutgers team lightly on that Sunday because Rutgers, that's at Rutgers. And they beat Northwestern earlier in the year on their home field. So Rutgers is, is, is and obviously challenged Maryland really tough. Yeah, and, and the Terps, you know, yet another Big Ten title for Maryland, who is now third in Big Ten titles since they joined the conference. Ohio State and Michigan are ahead of them, but both Ohio State and Michigan have 32 and 33 sports. And Todd, uh, the Terps are doing it with just 19. Yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty amazing. But, you know, which is one of the reasons I try to encourage people to follow the non-rev sports, because Maryland's very successful and everyone says, oh, Maryland doesn't belong in the Big Ten because they're looking at the struggles in football and they struggled some in men's basketball. But, you know, with the exception of a couple of other sports, Maryland is is competitive year in and year out in almost everything. And I think you will see them grow in the three sports where they've struggled the most of late, which are wrestling, women's soccer, and softball, because I, I really believe in the, in the new coaching staffs that have come on board in the last couple of years. And Todd, before we let you go, uh, some thoughts on the Terps football win on Saturday. Um, I thought that was 
a real quality effort from a team that could have folded when their unquestioned leader went down and, and a great effort. You know, uh, the penalties were still a problem. But I looked at one of the things I looked at, Mason, Maryland held Indiana to about 36 yards rushing for the game. I, that's a phenomenal defensive effort. And they were without a couple starters. They were without Ja'Cory and Bennett. They were without uh, Hippolyte again. You know, and, and of course, on offense, they're without their starting left tackle, who everyone projects as a relatively early or early round NFL draft pick. So, but, but the big difference, Mason, against Purdue, three turnovers, no points. Against Indiana, three turnovers, 17 points. And that's, that's the kind of thing that wins and loses games. Uh, it's hard hard to win football games, which I'm sure uh, we'll hear a lot of from Wayne, who will be joining us. Todd, thanks for the non-rev report, and uh, we'll talk to you again about it next week. All right. Always fun, Mason. And now on to football, and as always, Wayne Viner joins us. The Terps top Indiana 38-33. to Before we get to the game, it's a great time just to remind you, if you like the podcast, rate us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. It really helps the show out. And uh, it's even better when the Terps win, Wayne, isn't it? It is. And with 545 to go or so in that game, Maryland took the lead with Billy Edwards at quarterback. And from that point on, or about right there, it became an epic Maryland win. And depending on the rest of the season goes, that could actually be a turning point to the positive for this program. Yeah, I think that that is the positive view on it. And uh, Todd said similar when I gave him the opportunity to talk about it earlier in the show is uh, these are the games that Maryland uh, wouldn't have won last year. You know, maybe they compete in it. Maybe they show some fight. But in years past, the Terps uh, have folded on that very field at Indiana uh, with chances to really do something good. Yeah, we we were really close to having Indiana be four and three and Maryland be four and three. And I'm not even sure uh, this isn't an anti-Leah thing. But I'm not sure if Leah doesn't get hurt, if Maryland wins that game. That team yep. pulled together. It got super tough. Ran the ball like we, you and I have said. If you really want an identity, you can use this team and run the ball. And, man, Maryland really picked it up on the ground, got the key turnover, and came back and scored off of that turnover. Maryland brings the ball in, takes it away from Indiana three times. I believe Maryland scored three times off those turnovers. If they did that against Purdue, you'd be talking about a 6-1 and one Maryland team. But, hey, 5-2, and two, Billy Edwards at quarterback, I, I think for the – for the foreseeable future. Now, I've heard, I have seen Leah at practice standing up with a knee brace on on the field today. So, yay, probably sprained his MCL, but he is standing up and at practice. He didn't take first team reps, but he was out there today. No crutches, just a knee brace. I'm surprised. I don't know if you knew that. I did not. Yeah, I, I haven't heard. spoken to you much today, but I actually have video evidence at this point of Leah standing up at practice. Yeah, I had heard that um, it was not as bad as it first looked. 
that it's more than likely that he has a chance to play again this season, especially if they get to a bowl game. And that that's the worst case scenario as far as what the injury is right now. Loxley will address it in about 18 hours from now uh, when we're recording this show. So if you're listening to it, there's no official word yet. Wayne just did say uh, that Leah was seen standing up, no crutches at practice uh, back to the game. And, well, one last point on the injury. I think that Maryland in this game desperately needed something to unite them. I think this injury uh, and injuries can do that. Last year we saw it kill a Maryland team that was playing very well against Iowa. And this time they come back and, and it kind of brings them together behind running the football uh, and, and inspires that confidence that it takes. And this could be, like you said, a turning point in the season. Teams find a way to rally around that. But I'll give the usual stat well, before, breakdown. Well, before yeah, we ahead. get there, I got one one more question. As we watch the play calling, we try to watch every aspect of these games. I think when Leah went out, the pressure somewhat went off of Danny Nose and the play calling, and they just had to go with what Bill Edwards did well, what Maryland really could do well, and that was run the ball. And they didn't use four tailbacks at that point. They didn't use try to throw the ball to 11 receivers. They came in, they put 11 guys on the field, and for the most part, at least it seemed to me, stuck with those 11 guys and went out and executed. And it's not because Leah got hurt or because Billy got in the game. I just think at some point that had to happen. And you and I have had discussions, didn't get on the air last week, but I've said that Maryland runs sort of a diner menu of offense, or they had. They're, they're trying to throw the ball to everybody. They're trying to get carries to everybody. In the middle of a series, they'll take out an offensive lineman and put somebody else in. They're trying to play everybody. To me, that went out the window at that point, and maybe that needed to happen. However it happened, my opinion is that needed to happen. They had to find the 11 best guys and go out and play football, and hopefully they'll stick to that because I think if they do put the 11 best guys out there, you're going to see a, a positive impact to that. Now you can go talk about the game. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. Kind of reminds me of that Taco Bell ad that's running about breakfast right now. When they tried to put the waffle taco with the sausage in the middle, it didn't work too well. But when they get back to the basics, it's good. That's what Maryland needs. Um, Terps win the first down battle in this one, 25 to 23. Uh, Maryland. Eight of 17 on third down did not uh, didn't really see that during the game. Felt like they were they were not doing too well on third down. Defense plays really well on third down. Indiana goes four for 13. Both teams 100 percent on fourth downs. Terps convert two. Indiana three. Uh, Maryland outrushes the Hoosiers 172 to 36. Indiana outpasses the Terps 315 to 270. Uh, Maryland wins the total yardage battle 442 to 351. Both teams pick up two sacks. Uh, the Hoosiers throw two interceptions. Maryland punts the ball five times, average of 40 yards. Uh, Indiana punts it three times, average of 49 yards. Maryland, nine penalties for 94 yards. Indiana only gets three penalties for 14 yards. Uh, both teams fumble the ball twice. Indiana, the only team that loses it. Maryland leads time of possession 34 minutes and 44 seconds to 25 minutes and 16 seconds. Uh, Indiana reports a crowd of 41,154. Uh, I highly doubt 
that that was actually at Memorial Stadium in Bloomington. Looked like a lot, a lot of empty seats. Well, I think it was the day that you had, if you didn't wear a shirt, you got in. I think that's how they did that. There are a lot of guys who, who were, had their shirts off that probably should have put their shirts back on at that game. Yeah, I can't believe they let them uh, match from television. Yeah. Mason, there was a play where Ty Zay Johnson and Tarheeb still stopped the runner and five yards by the line of scrimmage and pushed the guy back after the whistle blew. And they got a 15-yard penalty for that. There were plays just a little bit after that where Indiana did that to Maryland, threw the guy backwards, didn't call anything. What's your take on that kind of infraction? Well, my my uh, sentence during the game was bad teams make bad plays that lose them games. Maryland is the penalty version of that. Maryland is a team that I believe might talk too much to the referees and to the opposing team, may commit some of these penalties. But I'll tell you one thing that I know from playing sports for a while and, and coaching them for a while. If your team gets a reputation that it commits penalties and that it's rude to either the other team or the referees, every referee in the county, the state, the country, uh, depending on what level you're at, knows that you're that team and doesn't like you very much. That's where Maryland is right now. They, Maryland got a penalty called on them again this week and last week, but this week's penalty was that Maryland held, defensively held during the kick, and therefore Indiana got 10 yards pre-possession, and that resulted in a first down. I do not recall ever seeing that before. Last week against Purdue, Maryland snapped the ball for belief from the two-yard line, and got called for an ineligible man downfield. I don't remember which researcher it was, friendly researcher to us, looked at every recorded snap in college football from inside the five-yard line since 1957 and could not find one instance of that ever being called. They are finding penalties that I've never heard of before. It's like the reverse of a tax loophole where you, you send people through the U.S. tax code to find a way to, to get a tax break that nobody's ever heard of before. I, I never seen anything like this. And Maryland continues to win. And yeah, they lost the game to Purdue, maybe because of that. But overall, even with all these bizarro penalties, they do continue to win. We brought up on the postgame show Saturday that I cannot believe Mike Loxley is not to paraphrase, hasn't gotten thrown out of a game yet over this. How do you keep your cool? You've coached recently when things like this went against you. How in the world do you not end up getting a screaming match with the rest? Well, the guys that I've coached with uh, do a lot of times end up in screaming matches with the officials. They also like to take out the rule book and try and find um, whatever the penalties that were committed and, and show it to the referee. But they're not the best example of this. Um, yeah. My coaching staff is not, but I don't know. I mean, talk about that. Everything that's on the line in these games, all the work that gets put in. And and for those of you that don't listen much, I coach high school sports and, and there's a fair amount of work that goes into getting a good team together for that, but not nearly what these guys put in or make or 
that's on the line on these nationally televised games for a school like Maryland and Indiana. Um, if I was Loxley, I mean, I would be throwing my head. So I would be losing, flipping my lid. I think that's a good way to put it. At yeah. some point, there's there's nothing else you can do. If they're going to call everything against you, and you've already said, like, we heard him on with Kevin Sheehan on the Team 980 this past Friday. They've already tried to take the route of doing things the quote-unquote right way by filing complaints at the league and, you know, going that path. But at some point, you just got to say, you know what, we're not playing if we're going to be, you know, offended like that. Oh, oh. I, I actually, I, I, I said that. At some point, you just consider, if you're going to keep calling it like this, just take your guys off the field. The, the counter to that is, even though all these ridiculous calls have been made, Maryland's still winning games. I don't want to punish the kids that do things right because the, the refs are combing the rule books for penalties that nobody's called since the Warren Harding administration. Now, the holding uh, on the punt, I mean, if you go back and look at the play, not saying that it's called frequently, Taichi definitely held the guy. I mean... Yeah, he, he's he's handsy. He's, he's getting his name in the, in the book. Um, but, man, I, I think he has great promise as a defensive end. And what do they call it, the third down package, the rabbit team? Yeah. I mean, those guys, like, they're getting to the quarterback. And that's something that I didn't think we really um, expected this season, unless a guy like a Vandarius Cowan had a great year, which he's not, that Maryland actually creates pressure on third down. And in my opinion, the defense this year, is much better on third down and getting pressure than it was last year. And this, they're just, it's the penalties. The penalties have really cost this team points. I feel like they've cost this team. Well, they definitely cost this team at least one game. You have to see what happens the rest of the way. But when you're looking at something to point fingers at, people like to say the secondary is not good or the linebacker play isn't there. or The offense hasn't been that explosive. Really, they've allowed penalties and bad calls to cost them two games now, and they've only lost two games. Well, they have only lost two games. Um, a little bit of run defense against Michigan would have helped, but if you saw Michigan against Penn State, Maryland actually did a good job against Michigan in that game earlier this season. Walt Bell, who used to be the offensive coordinator for Maryland, Actually had some life going there with Indiana in that passing game for a while. And for, look, like I said, until Maryland actually scored, until Hemby scored, it did not look good. When Leo went down, the season sort of flashed before my eyes. I've said I had confidence in Billy Edwards, but saying you have confidence in Billy Edwards and then having to put the kid into a game on the road that you're losing, and if if Maryland had not come back and now you're tied with Indiana, you start worrying that you're not going to get to six. But that resurgence, 15-point domination over the last six minutes of that game makes a lot of things possible. Now you got to go beat one in five Northwestern. I believe their quarterback's questionable. Maryland's injury report actually now, and it's, about eight o'clock on Monday night, lists Leah as doubtful. 
So there, there is a bit of a press joke going around that says no matter what happens, Lee is going to be listed as the starting quarterback on the depth chart. But they actually have him listed as doubtful. How do you not beat Northwestern? What has to happen for Maryland to lose this game? I really don't know. This is the worst team. Well, no, Charlotte's real bad this year. This is one of arguably the worst teams playing college football at the moment. After their week one win, the Wildcats have lost five games in a row. And it has not been pretty. They lost to a, a decent Duke team, Southern Illinois, Miami of Ohio, Penn State, and they got absolutely obliterated by Wisconsin before the bye week, 42-7. to They have the second worst run defense in the conference. They don't put up too many yards. And, and can you believe this? This is a crazy one. Northwestern's in the bottom half or near the bottom of the FBS in total yards, and they still put up 401 yards a game on average. And really, That's it's just not a good team. They only score 17.7 points with those 401 yards, but uh, Northwestern's offense is not good. The defense, like I said, one of the worst against the run in the Big Ten. For Maryland, it's probably Billy this weekend. Almost going to guarantee it's Billy Edwards this weekend, even if it's Leah, even if it's Eric Nigerian or David Faust. Doesn't matter who's there. Run the ball. It's simple. You run the ball. You get into the bye week. Terps are looking to get guys like Gavin Gibson off the injury report. Glenn Miller's back at practice, uh, according to Ahmed Gafir over at Inside the Black and Gold. I sit Hippolyte. I sit Miller. I sit Gibson. Every guy that I'm questioning if they are healthy right now, you give them the week off. You put your guys out there. It should be a good opportunity to get a lot of these young guys that Loxley wants to get out there on the field. You run up the score a little bit. You put on a show for the fans at homecoming. And by the way, the crowd is looking sparse this weekend. That's that's not particularly good news, sparse. But hey, I, I'm not here for the crowd anymore. I'm here to win this sixth game, hopefully. And then you get Maryland's bye week, and then you get what looked like Murderer's Row of was at Wisconsin, at Penn State, Ohio State at home. Wisconsin's not looking so hot. Penn State looks beatable. They don't look like the they don't look like anything special. Ohio State looks looks marvelous, fantastic, wonderful. So you sit here at five and two. Could you could win? I've got people arguing online on our YouTube page that you could win eight or nine games. Look, it, it's possible. It's such a strange season. When Maryland yeah, looks is. good, Maryland looks really good, but. The, the still the moments of ineptitude and the penalties uh, just just scare the heck out of you. I'm still not sure how good this team is. We've spent all season now trying to figure out what we're looking at, and I still don't know. Um, grading the units, almost every unit has had good days and bad days so far. It's a, if you could be consistently good. With this talent, you really can do something. It's still there. You could still do it. It's not the magical season exactly that I wanted, but you could still do a lot of damage for Maryland. But the way you lose this game 
is you come out thinking that you're supposed to win the game. You lose your focus. You look at the tape and go, these guys are Northwestern's nothing. We've got this. And if you get into that attitude, that's the attitude that has the turnovers and the penalties, that you're just so, not sharp. If you can stay focused thing. and stay sharp, you're good. Yeah, there's one thing that I think um, that I would use if I were coaching the team to get rid of that. And that is the score the last time that this team played Northwestern. The beginning of the COVID season, Maryland lost to Northwestern on the road, October 24th, uh, 2020, 43-3. That's my motivation this week. Forget what the tape says. Well, don't forget what the tape says, but forget how bad they look on tape. This is a team that, I mean, they beat us bad the last time we played them. I would not Leo be messing was up. awful, Mason. If you remember, Leah was just awful. Yeah, Maryland was just awful. That yeah. game was just terrible. But that's what I'm using as motivation this week. Also, you could throw up the last time the fact that we have – have we beaten Northwestern? I'm sure we've beaten Northwestern, although I don't have it in front of me. I don't think we have. We lost to them at home um, on homecoming in the Durkin era. I'm not sure if we played them when Randy Etzel was the coach, and we lost to them in 2020. Hmm. So there's, there's, you know, you have that, and, and I use that if I'm Michael Oxley. A lot of those guys that are on this team now, a lot of your sixth-year guys, your veteran leaders, uh, that was their first game for guys like Ami Finau, okay. Mokite. I mean, well, let me let me go back to that. You are correct. Two to nothing. Northwestern's one two. Maryland's one zero. Yeah, did not think. I don't think when Maryland joined the conference, they thought that would happen. That might have been the only team that people thought oh. they could beat. But yep. Northwestern all time is 114th ranked football team. They have a winning percentage of four. Point four four nine. Maryland's up there at point five one nine. Although Northwestern's won eight championships, conference championship, Maryland eleven. Um, you know, it, it, Northwestern just just not historically very good. Maryland actually has a bit of a lead in, in total overall football quality over Northwestern. Yeah, Northwestern not known for the football. But Fat Fitzgerald's put on some good teams. During his time, many think that that time is quickly expiring. A team that was supposed to possibly be in the lead of the Big Ten West at this point uh, in the season. And, well, they're not there. Uh, yeah, I agree with you, though. If you lose your focus, you know, Fitzgerald's a good coach. He's had they got the bye week to collect themselves. It wouldn't be surprised if we see a little bit of juice from this Northwestern team. They're a team that always plays hard. And uh, at this point, this year so far, Maryland's also been a team that uh, plays hard to a fault. Uh, what do you think happens on Saturday? I think Maryland keeps their wits about them, realizes that they finally found themselves. Maybe Edwards throws the ball 20 times, but for the most part, Maryland comes out and, and narrows the playing group down. You use Hemby, you use Littleton, and you split 40-some-odd carries between those two. You only run 65 plays, but you dominate the game 
and you get out of there with, let's say, a 35 to 10 type of win. Yeah, I see it fairly similarly. The Tarps, um, they come in there somewhere between 11.5 to a 14-point favorite, depending on where you look. And I think that that number's about right for Maryland. Uh, Maryland keeps it on the ground. Really, I agree, doesn't throw it too much. Uh, we get a game finally that doesn't last four and a half hours. Uh, Maryland 35, Northwestern 17. That's what I have it as. All right. So the Terps still get votes. And sometimes I say I'm surprised by that. But at five and two, if you win your sixth game, might not get in the top 25. If you win your seventh game at Wisconsin, I think it does. You surprised Maryland has votes? I'm not. No. I think at this point in the season, and votes for Maryland, they have one guy that's ranking them like 23rd in the country. Uh, that's their votes at the moment in the, in the point system in the AP. Um, I think they've shown a lot. They have a lot of talent. People that like Big Ten football know that Maryland's a pretty good team this year. They played Michigan tight. They lost the last second heartbreaker to Purdue. That's nationally known as a game that was controlled by the referees. So I'm surprised that one or two guys got them in the poll. No, not really right now. I think they're right on the edge of it. I think that receiving votes is a good place for Maryland right now. Uh, you win this week and some teams lose. You find yourself starting to climb that. Uh, you win against Wisconsin. And I think if things break the right way and nobody has crazy wins or uh, the top 25 continues to win football games, you find yourself uh, falling into it going into uh, what should be a ranked battle between Maryland and Penn State. Maybe. Penn State might fall out by then. That that would be, uh, I guess, the same James Franklin look as you predicted. You get down the end of it, and all of a sudden Penn State's 9-3 and three or 8-4 and four because they just got their clocks cleaned. Um, and another embarrassing performance in a in a top they get the games you know they get in the top 10 they get those those games and then they they just don't win them uh there's a saying that says uh, it's a thing about a dog that the dog's gonna bite you the dog's gonna bite you when it's young josh heupel goes down to tennessee and i just have to bring this up because that was one of the great tv football scenes i wish i was there when Tennessee finally beat Alabama. I know you've looked long and hard at Tennessee for other reasons. Yeah. Um, great moments. And it's one of those things when you see it. And I think um, for a program like a Maryland, no, we're not Tennessee football. We don't have a hundred thousand seat stadium. Those are the moments you kind of look for when you hire a guy one. And when you're trying to build a program too, and you it, when you play in a place like the SEC or the Big Ten, you really get those opportunities to have games like that where you beat a couple teams, whether Florida's any good or not, doesn't really matter anymore. And they beat Florida when Florida when people thought Florida was a really good football team. And you get this opportunity against an Alabama team that, while they are still Alabama, they don't look like, you know, crazy good this year. They look like a beatable football team. And you just play this like miracle game to win. And Penn State had that moment when they beat Ohio State on that blocked kick. And Purdue had what they felt like was that moment when they beat Ohio State. And you watch these games and you're just waiting for your opportunity to even play a game like that. And 
looking down the schedule, you kind of hope that Maryland has that chance where they could be a seven or eight win team with Ohio State coming in, who's this big national power and a chance to actually play a game down to the wire. You look for those moments. So you, do you remember that game against Miami so many years ago? I do. And that was kind of that moment, but it was like the fake version of it. Well, you, know, you, you, you can't, look for you the, can't, you don't know what Tennessee is going to do next. You have to live for the moment that, that you have. And I, I recall that game uh, vividly. I recall another game that Sam Hollenbeck had, had a pretty good game and, and Darius Haywood Bay had two long touchdowns. I think that was another Miami game. But before that, you know, it was the Maryland game, the home game against Clemson in 2001. When Maryland dominated, I think Woody Dantzler was the quarterback at Clemson. Maryland just came out and bashed Clemson. Uh, night game, I think it was uh, October 30th, October 31st. And Maryland goes on to uh, go to the Orange Bowl that year. And for Maryland, those moments are few and far between. I remember the game that uh, Navarre blocked the Florida State field goal and Maryland held on to beat Florida State finally. Um, so hopefully this year we'll have one or two of those moments. And it was that, as we, I guess we're wrapping it up here, that feeling like here we go sort of took Turp Nation by storm when they saw Maryland come out and play a dominant brand of football you just don't see around here. And that's even without Jalen Duncan, who didn't play on Saturday. They came out and they took that game. And, man, that's a, that's a great feeling. Yeah, and you, and you want your team to win those games, and hopefully we get those chances to do so. But got to take care of business this week. Get bowl eligible. Uh, pack the shell. You know, starting to see people start to have their eyes back on this program when you get to 6-2, and two, and then you're heading up to Wisconsin with a real chance to do anything. Wayne, anything else to add? No. Uh, I'm impressed. At the moment, I'm actually impressed. The backup quarterback was ready to go. That, that was a, a really good moment for that football program. Yep, and season goes on uh, this Saturday at CQ Stadium. We'll have coverage after the game. Uh, give us a follow on Twitter at YoungTurp1. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, Wayne Turp, for all of the coverage from this Saturday's game. And hopefully we're still heading up to Wisconsin, but we'll see about that. And as always, thanks for listening to us here on the Young Turps podcast.